Spartacus' Daughter, The Life and Struggles of Rosa Luxemburg, a podcast by Karol Golewski. Episode 2. Beginnings. I don't want for this podcast to turn into a biography of Rosa Luxemburg. Others have written about her better than I ever could. I feel though that before getting into her political struggle, a little bit of background is necessary. Rosa was born in March of 1871 in Zamosh, a little town in the Lublin district close to the old Polish-Russian border. At the time, Poland no longer existed as a country and was split between the three main European imperial powers, Prussia, Russia and Austria. Zamosh was part of the Russian Empire and its Jewish population was at the bottom of the pecking order. The slave of the lowest of the law, writes Paul Froelich in his biography of Rosa Luxemburg. Antisemitism was rife, and Jewish people, at least the religious ones, usually lived in ghettos, excluded from most professions, and unable to enjoy the few civil rights allowed the rest of the Polish population by the Russian Empire. Whilst most of the Jews in Poland turned to religion, some within the younger generation, including Rosa's family, decided to free themselves from it and turn towards Western culture instead. Rosa's family was in fact committed to the values of the Haskalah movement, the Jewish Enlightenment movement that came out of Central and Western Europe from the 1770s to the 1880s. Her grandfather, Abraham, had managed to raise his family to a certain level of prosperity, and her father, Edward, who also went by his Hebrew name Eliash, was interested in both Western European and Polish literature. Although not politically active, he was sympathetic towards the national revolutionary movements in Poland. Her mother, Lena, just like her father, was an eager reader of German and Polish classical literature, and she passed her passion on to her children. And so Rosa was raised in a middle-class, assimilated Jewish family with a love for literature. Thank you.
Not much is known of Rosa's childhood and upbringing, and she spoke very little of it. All we know comes from her brothers and her sister. She was the youngest of five siblings. Life was generally comfortable and secure in the Luxembourg family. A hip disease in childhood, which would leave her with a lifelong limp, kept her in bed for a whole year and made her the center of the family's love and attention. She was a bright, cheerful child who soon started to write letters and poems, as was the family tradition. Goethe would always remain her favorite poet, as would the Russian author Vladimir Korolenko, of whom she would write, My soul, of a threefold nationality, has at last found a home, and this, above all, in the literature of Russia. When she was three years old, Rosa's family moved to Warsaw so that the children would receive a good education. In those days, the use of the Polish language was strictly forbidden at school, and only Russian could be spoken even among the pupils. Having to speak Russian at school didn't deter Rosa from learning languages, and as an adult, she spoke Polish, Yiddish, Russian, German, English and French, and would often translate not only her own writings, but those of others. Coming from a family that was sympathetic to the Polish nationalist cause, and with her firm hatred of absolutism, Rosa headed the school opposition. Aged 13, she had written this poem on the occasion of the visit of the German Kaiser Wilhelm I to Warsaw. Finally, we shall see you, mighty man of the West, at least if you deign to enter a local park, since I don't visit at your courts. Your honours mean nothing to me, I would have you know, but I would like to know what you're going to chatter about. With our royalty, you are supposed to be on intimate terms. In politics, I'm still an innocent lamb. That's why I anyhow don't want to talk to you. Just one thing I want to say to you, dear Wilhelm. Tell your Willy Fox Bismarck, for the sake of Europe, Emperor of the West, tell him not to disgrace the pants of peace. Even though she was at the top of her high school class, Rosa didn't receive the gold medal she was entitled to based on her academic achievements because Jews were not entitled to receive such awards. Towards the end of her school years, she was already in touch with the revolutionary movement and soon after leaving high school in 1887, Rosa became active in the Revolutionary Socialist Party, proletariat, working closely with the leader of the Warsaw branch. At the time, the Polish revolutionary movement, which was closely linked to its Russian counterpart, was going through a crisis as a result of the fiasco that had followed the assassination of the Tsar Alexander II by the most extreme revolutionary part of the movement, Narodnaya Volia, the people's will. Alexander II had brought some liberal reforms to the country with respect to the judiciary and rural self-government, 
With his successor, Alexander III, the silence of the graveyard prevailed, wrote Rosa. The atmosphere was one of despondency and apathy, and both the Russian and Polish revolutionary movements were gripped by depression and resignation. Hopes of peaceful reforms had collapsed, and the revolutionary movements were seen as ineffective. What's more, Marxist thoughts had not yet made their way into Russia, or only snapped up elements, so there was no established set of beliefs and goals in place. This general mood affected Poland too. The National Revolutionary Movement, led by the Polish gentry, was dead. The Polish proletariat party, which had had strong links with the Narodnaya Volia, was decimated by the incarceration of its leaders and the mass arrests of its members. It had been intellectually drained, and after its first great strike actions, the Polish working class had crept back into torpor. At the time when Rosa left high school and joined the proletariat party, some new blood had just started to come and revive it. Taking up the cause of the suffering and the oppressed came naturally to Rosa, being part of the Polish people suppressed by foreign rule, of the Russian people enslaved by Tsarism, and of the Jewish minority. It is during these years in proletariat that she became familiar with the writings of Marx and Engels. By 1889, the movement was revitalized after the execution of the main party activists in 1886, about whom she wrote, Men who stood on such a high intellectual plane as those four, who met death for an idea, with heads held high, and who in dying encouraged and inflamed the living are doubtless not the exclusive property of any particular party, group, or sect. They belong in the pantheon of all mankind, and anyone to whom the idea of freedom, no matter what its content or form, is truly precious, should embrace them as kindred spirits, and honour their memory. But by then, she had to leave Poland. Her revolutionary activities had been discovered by the police, and the threat of imprisonment, banishment to Siberia even, hung over her. She was already too important to the movement to end up being banished to Siberia, and so with the help of the members of the party, Rosa managed to flee Poland for Switzerland hidden in a peasant's cart and disguised by straw. There she would meet Leo Yogishis, 
and her life as a figurehead of international social democracy would really begin. Before I leave you for today, and because this podcast also aims to talk about Rosa in her own words, here is a letter she wrote to Louis Kautsky in the autumn of 1904 from Zwickau prison about her childhood. The solemn stillness of the morning hour lay over the triviality of the pavement. Above in the window panes, the early gold of the young sun glistened and high above swam little roseate fragrant clouds which then dissolved into the grey city sky. At that time, I firmly believed that life, real life, was somewhere far away, beyond the roofs. Since then, I have been travelling after it, but it is still hidden away, behind roofs somewhere. In the end, it was all a cruel game with me, and life, real life, stayed there in the yard. <laughs>